0: Well, we began worship this morning with the choir singing an ancient doxology known as the Gloria Patry, dates back to the 3rd or 4th century, and it extols our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we just sang, Holy, 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 the first verse ending in the words, merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed trinity. And as Dr. Robert mentioned, today is the day we celebrate on our Christian calendar as Trinity Sunday. And it is a day that pastors very often try very hard to ignore because when we try to explain how God is three persons of one substance, we risk putting you to sleep. It is a question that can cause us to contort our words in all kinds of of, um, theological gymnastics to try to explain that the God we worship is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. But for us logical human beings, the math does not work. One plus one plus one equals one when it comes to our triune God. But everywhere else, one plus one plus one equals three, even in the first grade. And so today, um, we're going to look at this subject from a little different perspective. For a while, we're not going to ask the question about math. Instead, we're going to ask ourselves the question, why does God exist? As three persons Father Son and Spirit why does God present to us in such a complicated way but the answer I think we would do well to remember in a world as divided as ours and in a church that is sometimes almost as divided as the world So to explore the reason for God's presentation as Trinity, three in one, three persons of one substance, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. But I'd like to take a moment to set the stage. You see, in this letter, Paul was writing to a divided church. His authority had been challenged and he was imploring the church to accept sound teaching And to avoid becoming divided over his, Paul's, authority, teaching, and power. Because there was a group of people who were trying to assert that they knew more and were more powerful than Paul. And isn't it a relief to us today to know that we didn't invent church bickering? It was invented in the very first century in some of the earliest churches, although you would think by now or hope by now that we could be doing a little better, but alas, we are not so Paul's words in chapter 13 of the second letter to the church in Corinth uh, they end this way and I share them with you now as our morning text hear the word of the Lord dear brothers and sisters I close my letter with these last words be joyful grow in maturity Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The word of God for the people of God. The grace of Jesus the love of God, the fellowship of the Spirit. Grace, love, and fellowship. These notions of how we are to live can't be experienced if we decide to live life as solo superheroes, as our culture teaches us to do. How can I extend grace or receive grace without another human? How can I love or be loved without people around me? How can we enjoy fellowship when we are alone? You see, the question isn't, how can one plus one plus one equal one? The question we ought to be asking is, why is God triune? Why does God exist as three persons of one substance? And the answer is only complicated if we make it complicated. But it's really simple if we'll let it be. The answer is relationship. Scriptures teach us that God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit were present at the very beginning when creation took place. In Genesis, we read about how there was darkness over the chaotic waters, but the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light And when we turn to John's Gospel much later in the Bible, but the very beginning called the Prologue, we read the words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Our Creator God, three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit were there at the beginning. The Holy Spirit and Jesus were not afterthoughts who came later. They were there in the beginning. A little later, we humans were created, and Scripture tells us we were created in God's image. And then in the psalm that Duke read for us earlier, David sings of that creation and who we were created to be. And I'm going to reread some of those words now for you in a slightly different translation. And I think the reason will become clear. This is from the New Living Translation, which reads, O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crown them with glory and honor. You see, some of our translations say we were created only a little lower than the angels. But today, I choose the translation I just read because it's a reminder to us that we were created in God's image to be just a little lower than God. How does God exist? In relationship. How are we to exist? In relationship, we forget sometimes that God always shows us what is expected of us. A few weeks ago when we were, we do a staff devotion every Tuesday afternoon for an hour and Dr. Don reminded the staff that Jesus came to us, God in the flesh and human skin, fully human, to show us how God wishes we would be to show us God's aspiration for us. But Jesus was not only fully human, Jesus is fully divine and part of that Holy Trinity with the Father and the Spirit. Our life in community should reflect the love and the fellowship and the grace that Paul used to describe God's attributes loving grace-filled and loads and loads of fellowship, like donuts on Father's Day. So how does life like this look? Well, to to answer that question, we're gonna take a moment to look at another psalm, Psalm 133. It is one of the Songs of Ascent. Dr. Don has uh, taught us in prior weeks that the Songs of Ascent are psalms that were written and sung as the people traveled to Jerusalem for the holy festivals that the Jewish people celebrated. And we have to remember that for most of them, at least part of that trip was uphill. I can attest to the fact that Jerusalem sits high on a hill. And when you travel, for example, from Galilee to Jerusalem, even on a bus, it gets colder and colder as you make the trip. But I imagine in biblical times that these people are traveling to Jerusalem, and I'd like you to imagine it with me, that they finally are nearing the end of their trip, and they look up and they see high on that hill, the city where they're going to go to worship, and they sing the song, the Psalm of Ascent, that reads like this. This is Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. The first verse pretty much sums it up, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Can I get an amen? Amen yeah what would the world be like what would our churches be like if we lived in unity the way God Father Son and Spirit exist together to quote an old song I can only imagine the rest of that short psalm however might seem kind of confusing what does oil and a beard or do on a mountain called Hermon have to do with living in unity I Couldn't come up with the answer friends. I couldn't so I turned to someone who's quickly becoming a theological friend and that's Eugene Peterson He is the person who uh, works to create the message Translation of the Bible to make God's Word more accessible to all of us, but he wrote another wonderful book called the long obedience in the same direction about the long obedience Journey of becoming a disciple. And in that book, he discusses this psalm and he's, he reminds us that um, Aaron, the guy with the oil in his beard, was chosen by God to be the priest for the people of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness. He was to assist his brother Moses in leading the people and as part of anointing him for the priesthood. Oil was poured on his head and it, it ran down through his beard and onto his robe. And the purpose of that, those verses are to remind us that when we live in Christian community today, we are to be each other's priests and ministers. It's not just Dr. Don's job or my job. We are all called to minister to one another, to hear each other's confessions, to pray for one another, And to encourage one another. I really like that explanation and I thank Eugene Peterson for it. We are anointed to be little Christs for one another. Now the question about dew comes from the verses that says, It is if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So when we live in unity and harmony and peace it's like the refreshing dew that falls on high mountain peaks because you see mount hermon was one of the highest mountains in biblical times and the dew at the top of that mountain fell heavy and cold and it formed streams and it ran down the mountain Mount Zion was sacred to the Jews, but it, it existed in a parched and dry place. And so what the psalmist is suggesting to us, that when we live in, in unity, it's like the refreshing living waters that Jesus promised the woman at the well falling upon us when we find ourselves in dry and parched places. So what does this mean for us today? Well, I'm gonna share a personal story. I probably do that too often, but I'm gonna do it anyway today because it's relevant. The last time I preached was March 27th, and I shared news with you that I had breast cancer. Today I share that my last radiation treatment is tomorrow. All is well, I am cancer-free, and everything's gonna be just fine. But during the last three months, God has been revealed to me again and again. At the hospital, in treatment rooms, here at this church, I think I can say, I'm not 100% sure, I think I can say that if I could go back in time and be given the choice whether to experience this cancer journey or not, I just might choose to experience it. Because what I have seen of Christian community during that time, it has given me the answer to why does God exist in relationship, three persons of one substance. Many days I wore my different St. Paul shirts to radiation therapy. And on more than one occasion, other patients asked me to pray for them. And two of three oncologists engaged with me in some theological discussions that were deep and meaningful. You get to know each other when you go for radiation treatment the same time with other people, every day for 20 days. And God was there. When I told you about my cancer, I told you it would be okay, and that I was going to dance and walk on the waves with Jesus through that time, and I quoted the chorus of a song called Dancing on the Waves, where we're we're to assume that Jesus is singing to us the words, I'm reaching out, I'll chase you down, I dare you to believe how much I love you, don't be afraid, I'll be your strength, we'll be walking on the water and dancing on the waves, and for most of the last three months, I was able to dance with Jesus. But those words remind us about the Apostle Peter. Remember the story? The disciples were out in a boat. Jesus wasn't with them. The waters got kind of rough. And then they saw what they thought was a ghost walking toward them. And they realized it was Jesus. And Peter hopped out of the boat, impetuous Peter, and starts walking on the water toward Jesus. And he was doing just fine till he looked down and noticed how big and scary the waves were. And then he started to sink and he hollered out, Lord, save me. And Jesus did. Like Peter, there were times during the last few months when I got scared or frustrated or mad or sad or itchy, for those of you who've been down that road. In those moments, I couldn't walk on the water or dance on the waves with Jesus because I had taken my eye off of him. I ended up hollering out, just like, Peter, Lord, help, save me. But something funny happened. Jesus didn't appear in person to me. I didn't see a hand extended to me with nail scars. He sent you to do it for him. In those moments... I woke up in a recovery room. Cindy Pratt was holding my hand. She stayed with me for five hours that day. When I got home, Carolyn Zimmerman and Claire Longman were there, and they held my hands, and oh, God love them. They listened to me chatter more than I usually do, as the anesthesia took some time to wear off. (laughs) They'll vouch for that. I wasn't able to be with you during Holy Week. But your cards and your letters and your emails and your phone calls were like hands extended to me saying, hey, we got you, we love you, you were there. Pam and Sharon who I work with in the finance office brought me lunch one day and what a wonderful time of fellowship we had on my balcony as I was recovering. Folks, what you have done for me is what it means to live in community. But the thing I need to point out today is some of you who extended your hands to me just like Jesus extended a hand to Peter when Peter started to sink. You know what? We don't all share the same political views. I'm a little further to the left than some of you. We don't all agree about guns or Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter or gay and lesbian people or who would make the best president or whether Army should beat Navy every single year. But yet, you didn't care about our differences during the last three months. You just loved me. And I know that I am not always lovable. You were my ministers. And the living water, your living water, fell on me like dew on Mount Hermon. Yeah, I know, the living water came from Jesus. But when he left the disciples, he says, I have to go because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, that spirit we learned about last week, and you're going to do even greater things than I've done. And that's what you have done for me. You were a little lower than God for me. Now, I'll be here next Sunday, but I'm going to be gone most of the rest of the summer because I need a little time to grasp the hands of my family. While I am gone, I'll be in Pennsylvania and Ohio, I'm going to pray for you every day. I am going to pray that you will be just a little lower than God for the people in our community who are hungry, for the people in our community who are lonely, a little lower than God, for the people in our community who do not know Jesus, a little lower than God, for kids who are gonna need school supplies and backpacks. And yes, the Jubilee will happen without me being here because two of you, Alan and Lois Finney, have agreed to lead the effort to make sure that the Jubilee happens. I'm going to go to Pennsylvania and dance on the waves with my family for a while, and I hope that you will dance on the waves here with one another, with our community, with the other people in our United Methodist denomination, with Christians everywhere around the world. You need to dance on the waves. We need to dance on the waves. You see, the question is not, how can one plus one plus one equal one? If you insist on being mathematical, we're going to just take those little plus signs and we're going to turn them a little bit. And we'll let one times one times one equal one so your mathematical minds can be at peace. But what I suggest to you today is that when we all together join with that holy trinity, then it becomes one times 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 one is one in perfect peace and unity. Why is it that God created us in such a complicated way and revealed God's self to us in such a complicated way? It's simple. God always shows us the way. Always provides the example we need. He came to us in the person of Jesus to show us how to be perfectly human God came to us as Trinity to show us how to be the perfect church. Perfect in love and grace and fellowship, slow to anger, slow to judge, and always to love. Let that be so for us here at St. Paul, in our community, with our United Methodist brothers and sisters, all of them and in a world that needs to know that relationship counts and that is the answer to the right question why is god triune i love you